people coming out nine, early, early in the morning. Amen. Praise God. Well, the reason, the reason we do these meetings, the reason we're teaching the Word, the reason we're doing these regularly in Warrington and then we're starting them in other places uh, is because I believe that the, 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 the amount of the Word of God and the quality and the caliber of the Word of God that's going forth across this nation needs to come up. Amen. And we need to step up the level and increase the amount. Uh, I've got a vision. I've got it on, on my heart. My vision is to see every village, every city, every town in this nation saturated in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Amen? And, and I'm not, I'm not going to settle for anything less. I'm not going to set back. I'm not going to tolerate half results, 50% results, because I, I serve a big God. Do you serve a big God? Yeah. And, and I believe once and for all, this nation can get saturated in the Word. And, and, and part of that is, is the teaching, is the importance of teaching. And, and I've realized, you know, there's a lot of Christians that either don't value the importance of teaching or they kind of feel like, yes, I've had teaching, so I don't need any more. And, and, and I've noticed, you know, sometimes, none of you guys, but uh, there are some Christians just, they, they think, well, you know, I did Bible school a few years ago and, you know, I don't really need more teaching and stuff. I, I believe that we are supposed to have an ongoing steady diet of the Word of God if you want to grow. If you want to increase, if you want to really grow in the things of God. Uh, you know, I, I spent many years teaching in Bible schools, many years. And uh, I've noticed, you know, I, I, I've been teaching in Bible schools long enough now to have seen people who graduated 20 years ago and where they are spiritually now. And I've noticed that a lot of Bible school students, they grow a lot during their two, three, four years of Bible school because they're constantly in the Word. And then after graduation, they pause. And they just don't seem to grow any, any further past that because they don't stay in. They don't keep in the Word of God. And they kind of think, well, yes, you know, I went to Bible school. I got the courses. I got the teaching. But, um, and, and then you do see some that keep in the Word. They keep feeding. They stay hungry. They keep coming to things. See, Bible school is not supposed to be the be-all and the end-all and the finish-all of everything. That's just a, a boost in your spiritual life to really launch you into a new level and then you're supposed to stay in it. And um, that's why we're doing these courses. And we're not doing these as Bible school because we just open them up. And, and when we go into an area, the purpose is to, for, for, the, for, for the whole area. These are not just focused at one church or one thing. We want Christians coming from all different churches, all different environments, getting under the Word of God. Amen? Uh, for, these, for these morning ones. So, and I believe God op is opening doors for more places to do these as well. And also we do the evening meetings, but, but, but like I said, I'm not, I'm not settling for anything less than this nation in revival. I'm not settling for anything less. Many, many people, many people are just sitting around waiting for God to pour out a revival. But I believe God's looking for the ones who are going to be pro, kind of get involved, start getting out there, start responding, start doing what he says and, and, and putting their hand to the plow. And, and growing spiritually and starting to get their spiritual life strengthened up and fed up and fed up in, in the sense of feeding, not fed up as in the sense of annoyed. <laughs> okay, but get fed up, fed spiritually and grow and increase. Uh, I've been reminded recently, just it was on my heart this week, that um, uh, uh, years ago a minister, he was standing in front of a, a crowd of people about to minister and God opened his eyes in a sense, almost like a vision. Uh, and he, he saw 
the, the spirits of the people present in the meeting. And, um, and, and, and he said it wasn't really a pretty sight. He said many of them were, were malnourished and underfed. And many of the spirits were starving because they hadn't been fed the word. And um, it's so important that we make sure that we keep our, our spirits fed on the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Right. And, and a few of the things, you know, God said to me recently, because he's been stirring my heart about the need for Christians to awaken. And, 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 and I don't want to preach the, the awaken message today, but this is just launch us into where we, as we get started today. But it's time for an awakening. It's time to, an awakening means to wake up. But you know what? Who wakes up? God or us? <laughs> God's not asleep. He doesn't sleep. So he's not the one who needs to wake up. It's believers that wake up when we begin to hear the call of the Spirit of God who's beginning to say what he wants to do on the earth. And, and, and so I've said, Lord, what, what, what's involved in awakening? What, what is involved in us waking up? And, and he said a few things to me, and one of them he stirred in my heart is he said to awaken your faith, awaken your faith, and you'll believe in God and grow to the place where you become a faith giant. And the other thing he said, and this is very stirring a lot in my heart this week, is he, he said, attend to your spirit. Attend to your spirit. What, it, what does it mean to attend to? Attend to is to pay attention to or give attention to, to take, to take care of your spirit. And, 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 and that's because we need our spirits to, to be in solid, strong, healthy condition. Amen? And, and so how do we attend to our spirit? Well, we feed on the word of God consistently. Some of, the, some of us, God's been speaking to us about consistency. Yeah. Day by day, feeding on the Word of God. And, and, and day by day, spending some time praying in tongues. Because this is part of us waking up, waking up our spiritual lives. Amen? And so how, many, how many of you want to stir that up in your life even more? Because you know what, you know what starts to happen when, 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 when believers start to wake up? They start to step into the place where the Spirit of God can flow and manifest through their lives. And, 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 and you know, it's wonderful. What happens, what's happened through history when one or two people have, have stepped in? And, and we've had mighty moves of God just through individuals. What happens when hundreds begin to, and thousands begin to step in? And they begin to get hungry and begin to seek for the Lord. I've, I've said this for, years, well, for, for a while as well, that many people... Many people see the benefits of revival, or they see the fruit of revival, or they participate in the revival after revival happens, but they are not the cause of revival. They're not the ones that spark it off. It takes some people who begin to seek God in hunger before revival breaks out to become the vessels, and they become the ones, the channels that God flows through. Now, you can enjoy the benefits of revival, and there are many, many will. But I believe right now we're in a place where God is stirring the hearts of the ones that he wants to begin to flow through and, 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 and build up the hunger. Amen? Are you with me on that? That's just, that's just a little bit extra. But uh, let's, go. let's go to the book of Jeremiah. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. Now, as you know, in, in these Warrington meetings in the morning, we've been talking about the power of God. We've been talking about the miraculous. Uh, someone says, you know, how long are you going to teach on this? Aren't, aren't you going to teach on another subject? 
we'll teach on another subject when the Spirit of God says teach on another subject. Do you, do you know sometimes you've got to camp on a subject for a while, especially if you're wanting to get the people's faith level and expectation level increased in these things. And, and, and I believe the manifestation of the power of God, the miraculous, is one of the areas we need our expectation increased in. And begin to believe in a God who can do more. And a, a God who's capable of doing bigger things. Now, many of us know it in theory, but how many, how many Christians are there right now that are, that are afraid? And they're running in fear. And they're afraid of what the enemy is doing. And, and you see, oh, no, oh, no, they're going to persecute us. Oh, no, the persecution's coming. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, fear, fear, fear. I, that doesn't sound like Daniel. How did Daniel respond when they were going to persecute him? He flung his windows open and he got on his knees and he just prayed. He said, nothing's stopping me. <laughs> Didn't see any fear about that, amen? Uh, but so many people are afraid. And they're afraid of what the enemy is doing. I was reading a scripture. I'll get to Jeremiah. Amen. I was reading a scripture in Proverbs. And it says this, the lazy man, how many of you want to be a lazy man? <laughs> but you know what? The Bible speaks these things. We need to hear it. The Bible says, the lazy man, this is a bit of a paraphrase, the lazy man, in fact, I can find you the exact quote. Let me have a quick look. The lazy man uh, says in his heart, so the la the la basically, let me, let me get you the actual quote. Give me two seconds. I'll give, you, I'll give you the reference as well. Let me just quickly find it because it wasn't in my plan, so I want to... Um, do, do, do. Should be there. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 26, verse 13. Proverbs 26, verse 13 says, The lazy man says... Now, we're not the lazy man, are we? The lazy man says, There's a lion in the road. This is what the lazy man's crying. There's a lion in the road. Now, a lion is a predator. And then he says this, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets, end quote. The lazy man doesn't say anymore. What, what's the lazy man doing? The lazy man's running around spreading alarm and panic about what the enemy's doing, what the lion's doing. But he's not doing anything about the lion. Do you see the difference? Oh, the lion, oh, the lion, oh, the lion. <laughs> Why? And the Bible says he's a lazy man. Why? Because if he wasn't lazy, he would be applying his faith and believing God, and he'd be like the Daniels, uh, who, who was not afraid of the lion, and the Samsons that was not afraid of the lion, did something about the lion. Uh, or, or the lazy man's crying about the giant, the giant, the giant. The Davids are running at the giant, taking him down. There's a difference. But to be like the Davids and the Daniels, you can't be lazy. You've got to be diligent spiritually. You've got to bring your spiritual life up to the level that it needs to be. Amen? Amen? Anyway, that was just a bit extra as well. Let's get back to where I was going to go. But, but you see, I serve a God who can take lions down. I, I serve a God. Do you, know, do you know darkness is more powerful than light? Sorry. Did I say that right? Wake you, wake you up a little bit. Which, which is more powerful? <laughs> some of you said amen. Some of you thought that didn't sound right. What, 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 which one's more powerful? Light. Light, Light is more powerful than darkness. And, and, and the kingdom of God, the, the, the things of God are far more powerful than anything the enemy could do. So, and, 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 and who do we have on the inside of us? We've got, he lives inside of us. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
But that, re that revelation's not real to many. That's why they're so afraid. And, and, and it's not real to a lot of Christians what God is capable of doing. Now, we know, we, we see it in the Bible, but you know what? Many times people, pe people don't have the confidence that God will still do those things again and can do them in our day. But this is why we're teaching on the miraculous and the power of God. Because I, I, I want you to understand, God is the same. He's the same. Doesn't the Bible say that Jesus Christ? Yeah. What's the rest? Jesus Christ is the? What, 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 is, what, is, what is the same? He means he's, he, 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 he has not changed. He is the same. The same as what? Yesterday's past tense. Today, that's present tense. Forever, that's future tense. Past, present, and future. He is the same. Is that real? Or is that just a nice comforting phrase? So if he is the same, then the way he's revealed in Scripture is that how he is today. Who he is when he walked on this earth has he changed? Is he different? People say, well, yes, but he did that while he was on the earth, but he, he doesn't do those things now. Sorry, you just told me he changed. If people are saying he did it then, but he won't do it now, that means something's changed. He's changed. No, no he hasn't changed. He's the same. So can I expect him to be the same in my life? Can we expect him to be the same as revealed in Scripture? Always, always. And, and, and not only that, the Bible says Jesus is the image of God or the image of the Father. Does the Bible tell us that? It says it in quite a few places. So Jesus is the same and he is also the image. The image. What's an, Im what's an image? An image is something you can see. An image is it's, it's visible. See, God gave us Jesus' life on this earth as a visible demonstration of himself. So we can see in Jesus, that's what Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he doesn't just mean his physical characteristics, you know, how long his hair was and the color of his eyes. Because he went on to talk about my words and my works. And, and, and the things that he did and how he operated revealed or, or, or built an image of the Father. So Jesus is the image. So if you want to know what the Father looks like, we can, you see, the Bible says he's in, God's invisible, Colossians. But Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. God gave us a visible expression of himself. So that we can see what is he like. Now, why would God give us a visible expression of himself? Say, this is me. The, Jesus is the image. Look at the image. If you want to know what I'm like, check out the image. And then, the next day, completely change what he's like. So he's no longer like the image. Does that sound like a really confused God? He went through all this trouble thousands of years prophesying about the coming Messiah, the coming one, and then he says, he's the image of me, look at him, he'll show you what I'm like, 
He puts it in his word over and over and over again. Hebrews 1, he's the express image of the Father. Colossians 1, he's the image of the invisible God. He puts it in his word. He's the image, he's the image, he's the image. And then goes through all that effort for thousands of years, and then in the life of Jesus itself, just so that for the first 30 years of the church, he looks like that. But then after the book of Acts, he completely changes. That's what religion wants you to believe. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy wants you to believe. God gave us this image, but no, no, no. You can't expect him to be like the image anymore. We have to make a decision. I choose to believe he is exactly like I see him in his word. I choose to believe he is who he has revealed himself to be. And the image that he's given me, the image that the word of God builds up is the, the image of what I can put my faith on of who God is. Now, we are to be conformed to the image as well, aren't we? Yes. See, Jesus is the image of the Father, and we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That tells me this, we are to be conformed to what the Father looks like. <coughs> we, should, we should function and operate like him. We should look like him. He should be reflected in, in, in how many areas of our lives? Just in our love walk? The love walk's vital. But you know what? That's not the only thing. Jesus, Jesus went, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. He, began, he set people free. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me basically to set the captives free. So, and this is the image that's revealed. This is the type of father that's revealed. So what should be reflected in our lives? What should be coming out in, in our lives? We are to also be the image of the father. Captives should be getting set free. Amen? Who, who does not want this to happen? Is there someone who doesn't want this to happen? The enemy. And so the enemy has built lies. He's, he's fed lies into the church, caused us to believe false things so that we, we don't represent him the way that, 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 that Scripture reveals him to be. He hasn't changed. He's the same. Not only that, the Bible says that, that with the Father, there's no, there's, there's no turning either. There's no shadow of turning. So Jesus is the same. Jesus is the image of the Father. He reveals the Father who is also the same and never changes. What, what does that tell you? It tells you I can have confidence right now that my Father is exactly who I see in Scripture. And He will do exactly what He, what he showed in Scripture that He will do. And He's not changed. I can put my faith and my expectation on Him being the same. That's, that's what you call stability. Sometimes people say, sometimes people say, oh, you never know what God's going to do. You never know what God's going to do. Oh, how, how, you know, if, 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 if you came to me and said, you know, I, I, know you, I know you invited, you know, Tony to come to the meeting today, but you never know what he's going to do. He might come, he might not. If you said that about a human being, what would you be saying? Unreliable. They're unreliable. They're unstable. I know, I know he promised to come help me, you know, clean, clean my garage, but I just don't know if he's going to turn up. What are you saying about a human being? 
like that. You can't rely on them. Their word means nothing. If we said that about a human being, we would not appreciate those kind of statements. That is not a good quality in a human being. And yet for some reason, we see nothing wrong about saying that about our Heavenly Father. I know he said it, but I just don't know if he's going to do it. But yes, I have faith in him. No, you don't. Because if you had faith on him, you would know he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Because <laughs> you believe his promises. As long as you're saying we don't know if he's going to keep his promises, don't tell me you've got faith in him. There's no confidence in that. That's, what, that's one of those things that I just said really strongly, isn't it? But, but, should I just rewind that and delete that? No. Sometimes we're just going to say it how it says. Do you realize you, you, cannot, you cannot say you have faith in God as long as you're questioning whether he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Faith in God is confidence in his word, in his promises, in who he is, in his character. Believing in the fact that he is who he said he is and he will do what he said he will do. Therefore, I have confidence in him that he will, will, will do what he said he's going to do. And therefore, do I need to be afraid? Do I need to be afraid of the enemy? Do I need to be afraid of what the enemy can do? Fear is confidence in the enemy. Many Christians have more confidence in the fact that the enemy is, gonna, is going to come through for them. And what, is, what happens when the enemy comes through for you? He wipes your life out. That's what the enemy coming through for you is. It's not a positive thing. Many Christians have more confidence that the enemy is going to do things in their lives. And they're afraid of the destruction and they're afraid of what, what the bad things that are going to happen. They have more confidence in the power of darkness to destroy them than they do in the power of God, the power of the Father, the power of the kingdom of light to protect them and to come through for them. So why am I preaching on the power of God? Why am I preaching on these things? Because we've got to change this. We've got to, we've got to get people back to the place where they, they say, I, God is who he said he is. And I believe that he's going to come. Throw me in a lion's den <laughs> because my God will manifest. Throw me in a fire. My God will manifest. Put a giant in front of me. I'll take him down with a marshmallow, with a slingshot, with a grain of sand. I don't care because my God's big enough. He, that giant's going down. <laughs> Amen? Let's, let's try to read some scriptures. Let's have a look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 32. I have something somewhere specific I'm trying to go today, but we'll get there. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. You've probably heard this one before. Verse 17. Our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. How many heavens and earth has the devil made? <laughs> How many universes has the devil created? How many suns has the, has the devil created? How many earths has he created? Zero. He's not as big and powerful as you think he is. There's no real comparison. It's like, it's like an ant coming up against a tank. The devil against God. And yet we're more afraid of the, of the ant than we are about the power of the tank. There's no even that's, that's not even a good enough comparison because even that, the size difference is, is, is... Do you know that the enemy is not an equal opposite of God? He's a created being. He is limited. 
Do you, do you know that even, you, okay, angels are powerful beings, are they not? Yeah. What, in, in, in one instance in the Bible, one angel killed 183,000 Assyrians like that. that. That's pretty powerful. Angels do some big things. They do some powerful things. But you know that even angels are not omnipotent. Their power is not unlimited. There's only one whose power is unlimited. And when I say unlimited, I really mean unlimited. There are no limits to how big and how powerful his, his power goes. So even angels are limited. They, they, from our point of view in the natural, what angels can do is pretty impressive. But actually, there's a whole race of angels. They can all do that. <laughs> yeah? But the, the enemy's limited. He, he, he's a created being. Not only that, he's a fallen created being. Just, just, oh, just get a hold of this. When, when, he, when mankind fell, when, in the book of Genesis, man fell, yeah? We sinned. We, 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 we basically went from light into darkness. We were the, the reverse way of what happens when you become a Christian. We were, we were walking in the glory. We, were, we had the glory of God, the presence of God. We walked with God in the garden, and we yielded to darkness. We yielded to sin. We stepped into the kingdom of darkness. Did we gain more power when we did that? We thought we did. But... Was there an increase of the glory and the power in our lives when we stepped from, from light into darkness all the way back in Genesis? We, we call it the fall of man because it was the fall. We went down. People talk about evolution. I think devolution. <laughs> now, if that's what happened to us when we fell from the glory... What makes you think when the enemy fell from the glory, his power went up? He walk, he, he, Lucifer walked in, in, in the throne of God. But Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Lightning means fast. That was one incredible fall. Whack! <laughs> he did not increase in power when that happened. He lost out too. The, that light that he reflected, that glory that he walked in, became darkness inside of him. It became to eat him up. Just We need to begin to realize who, who our enemy and foe is. His biggest weapon is deception. And he, he also knows this. Oh, my word. Didn't intend to go this way today, but we'll do it. We'll, we'll do what we got to do. Do you realize when God created man? Oh, my word. The angels. The angels looked at man and thought, God, they're in your image. Look, they look like you, God. You, you, you never get, did that for us. Do you, know, do you know that we were, when God created man, we are his special treasure? He, he gave us a status the angels had never had. Even from creation. We were given authority on this planet. He said, go and have dominion on this planet. The enemy looked at 
human beings. And he thought, they've got what I never could have. They're created on a higher level than the angels in creation. And then, he, even through the new birth, when we receive Jesus, we become new creations, and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, the devil looks and he thinks, that never happened to an angel. The enemy didn't even know it was possible to go from, from light into darkness, and then darkness back into light. He had never seen an angel who had gone into rebellion, get redeemed, and get back into the kingdom of God. No, that never happened to any angel. Because no price was ever paid for the angels. Jesus had, uh, sorry, God had one son, he, he paid the price for us. <clears throat> but, but the enemy had never seen, he didn't think it was possible. <clears throat> but he looked at human beings, and he realized the power and the authority that God has invested in us. And he said, I want that for myself. But he, he, he can't get, why do, you, why, why do you think he tries, why do you think demon possession, what's he trying to do? Why is he trying, why, why does he even want to come as the Antichrist? I don't want to get into eschatology. He couldn't beat God as an angel. He thinks he can beat God as a man. Because we're on a higher level than he was ever on. He knows what God has invested into human beings. He knows what God has given us. So instead of us realizing who we are and what God has given us and what God has invested into us, especially with, with, with the new creation, seated with Christ in heavenly places, the glory of God inside of us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, no angels ever had, had, could, had all those different things. Instead of us realizing what God has given us, the enemy covets it for himself. He wants to take our words. He wants to take our faith and pervert it into fear and death and use it to, to warp what's happening on this planet. If we would just realize what God's put inside of us. This is why the enemy deceives. He blinds the minds. He deceives us. He gets us using our words for him. Because he doesn't have that power that we have. Do you realize this? That is amazing. That is amazing. He's trying to access resources in us that he never had. And he wants to blind us to the fact that we have them. Because he knows what will happen if we begin to realize. He knows what will happen. What will what, 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 happen when the sons of God and the children of God begin to walk in the glory and begin to rise up and begin to, begin to get a revelation of how big and how powerful our God is and the power that he's invested on the inside. Why do you think Paul prayed? Paul prayed in Ephesians, open the eyes of their understanding, give them revelation so that they can, so that they can see and understand the power of the resurrection, the power that is toward us who believe. <clears throat> we never finished, we never, never finished Jeremiah 32. Let's get there. So I, I got as far as you, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power. And I, the enemy's never done any of that. He, 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 this, he, we can't, we can't, 
In all honesty, we really cannot walk around going, talking about how great the power of the enemy is. Because he's never really created anything. But, but we do go around exalting the power of the enemy all the time. By fear. And fear of what the enemy can do in my life. And fear of what, what's going to happen. Uh, fear of, what's, uh, of the bad things that are going to happen. But we serve the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth. He made all of this stuff, the matter itself. Amen? And so we, we need to begin to stir and begin to realize how big my God is. And, and the fact that, that really the, the, the enemy's no match whatsoever. We've just, we've just believed lies and allowed ourselves to function on a lower level. And, and allowed ourselves to, 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 to get trapped in the natural realm. The enemy wants to trap us in the carnal realm. Wants to trap us in the realm where we can't access the, the resources that God's given us. And all the time in his word, God is trying to teach us how to flow, how to operate. Even things like love flowing through us and forgiveness. It helps keep, keep the us clean and pure as vessels on the inside so that he can flow through us without hindrance. All those kind of things. And there's other reasons as well. But the enemy wants to do everything he can to trap us in the natural realm so we can't step into who we are. And then he wants to use the power God's given us for his benefit by getting us to yield to him. What will happen when we begin to realize who we are, who God has created us to be, the resources God has made available to us. You, you, you need to pray, Father God, just open my eyes. Help me to understand. Help me to see. Help me to realize the power and the potential. God, God gives us his word, and he gives us examples. E even before Jesus came, he gives us the old covenant and shows what happens when, human, when a human being becomes a vessel in the hand of God. And he says, this is what can happen. And he gives us examples. Moses, Elijah, Daniel, David, Gideon, Elisha, and, and many of the others. It's what can happen when a vessel becomes yielded in the hands of God. But the enemy's lied to us and he's told us this is just rare. That's just for a few people. That's just for, he, he sits on his shoulder. Oh, you don't want to believe you can do, you don't want to believe you can step into that. Why do you think he wants to stop us step, stepping into it? Because he's more afraid of you than you are of him. It's psychological warfare. In its, in, in its real sense. Make the enemy terrified of you when in fact he's more terrified of you than you are of him. He just knows he's got to. He's got to do everything he can to keep us down. Because if we'll ever wake up to the fact of what God's done for us, who we are, the power he's made available to us, and begin to really begin to expect and put our faith on them, rise up, and, and, and like I said at the start, attend to our spirit, build our spirits up, feed our spirits, become stronger spiritually, activate our faith on a daily basis, walk in who we are in Christ, the power of God can begin to manifest and flow through us. See, we'll see the captive set free. God, God, God can unravel a strategy of the enemy, a strategy that the enemy has taken decades to build up. God can unravel it in the blink of an eye like that when the power of God hits a situation. 
and just undo a whole lot of the enemy's mess like that. That's why the enemy's terrified. He doesn't want us to understand and, and us to start to get our confidence built up in who our God is. <laughs> All right, let's, let's try to read the rest of this phrase now. You've made, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Outstretched. The Bible uses different expressions for, for the power of God in terms of the arm. It's his outstretched arm. The Bible also talks about the hand of the Lord and the hand of the Lord coming upon people. How many of you understand my arm is stronger than my hand? Okay, so in a sense, when you're talking about the arm of the Lord or the hand of the Lord, you're talking about different, one application is different expressions of power. My arm can do more than my hand can do. I might not be able to pick that chair up with just my hand, but I can pick it up with my arm. Amen? And, and you see, the outstretched arm of the Lord has got to do with an expression of his power as well. Do you know the Bible? Jesus, Jesus talked about the fact that he said, he said, he says, I can't, I cast out demons by the finger of God. Yeah, you got it, didn't you? My finger, my hand, my arm, my finger, and I bet you it's God's little one as well. All it, all it takes for God to, to, to cast out a demon is like lightning. <laughs> okay. Anyway, and, and then the, the next phrase, there is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing too hard for you. Nothing. I love that phrase. This is where I've been trying to get, this is what I want us to, uh, to, to get more stirred up on. There is nothing, there's nothing too hard. Is the Word of God supposed to build faith inside of us? When we read the Word of God, faith comes by hearing. And when you read phrases like that, don't just let it go in one ear, out the other ear, forget about it. Spend some time. The Bible says meditate on the, on the, on the, on the, 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 the Word, basically. Spend time on the Lord. There's nothing. There's nothing you cannot do. There is literally nothing too hard for you. Oh but, you know, oh, but, you know, I'm, I'm facing a situation. Oh, there is nothing too hard for you. There's nothing you cannot do. That is a very real, very literal, very alive truth. You say, do you take that literally? Yes, I do. Do you have a problem with that? <laughs> I really do believe in a God who can do anything. I believe in a God who's, who's unlimited. How many, how, many of you, how many of you have ever, ever, you might have said this yourself, or someone has said this to you, oh man, things are really bad, there's nothing we can do. Well, you see, I, I, I'm very fortunate because I, I was born into a family that, that has a dad who can do anything. <laughs> I was born into a family that has unlimited resources, unlimited power. <laughs> Amen. People say, you know, people say in the natural, you know, I, I, I was born on the wrong side of town. I wasn't born in the right family. I wish I'd been born in a rich family. You were when you received Jesus. You're born in a family. We become members of the family of God. <laughs> 
Don't ever look, don't ever, oh, there's nothing that can be done. There might be nothing I can do in the natural by my own strength and by my own ability, but I believe that my heavenly Father has, can do anything, and I, I will trust Him and believe Him to do anything. And I'm not going to be afraid of trusting Him to do anything. goes back to what I said a moment ago. Uh, we, God is the same. Jesus is the same. He's never changed. He's the same. So can I believe that the God who's revealed in Scripture is the same in my life? Can He still split Red Seas? Can, can, can he still bring fire down from heaven? Can he still do these things? Is he still capable? And, and can I have confidence in my God that he will do what, what I need in my life and move in my life and to come through for me? By whatever means necessary. Because, oh, you know, the miracles are nice, but, you know, we don't kind of see those things these days. We see, yeah, that's your problem. Your expectation is not on those kind of things. I'm not telling God exactly what to do, how to do it now. Right now, you've got this is the type of miracle. But we do need to begin to realize that when we're facing impossible situations, I believe in a God who can do anything. And he'll do by whatever means necessary. Yes, he might just move through another person, or he might, he might manifest the miraculous and the power of God to change some things. But have the courage to believe that he is exactly who we see he is, he is. We see him revealed as in Scripture. And take the limitations off. Because the Bible is full of God doing impossible situations. Why would God take all of that time to show us absolutely impossible situations turning around? Just to tell us, well, you can't have that. You've just got to have the minor stuff. You know, the, the Word of God, God, God really goes to extremes in the Word. I mean, he, he, even through the ministry of Jesus, how many people were healed who were at their absolute desperate situation? The nobleman comes to Jesus. He, he, my, 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 my son, daughter, servant, lies at the point of death. Jairus as well, at the point of death, about to die. Major, major situations where the power of God just turned it around like that. He reveals to us big situations and what he's capable of doing. How many of you believe? How many of you believe in a God who can do anything? It's got a Numbers 11. It's got a Numbers 11. Now... <laughs> I've taken my whole a lot of my first session just to do a lot of introduction, but that's okay. But you know, we, we, we've talked we've talked in these Saturday mornings a lot about things connected to healing and and, and the power of God. We've looked at some things in the in the ministry of Jesus, but I, I want to talk a little bit about some things in connection to provision and what God is capable of doing. Do you know that when you look in the Bible, you see the miraculous is demonstrated in different ways in different areas. We see it in healing. And the power of God manifested to, to heal. And we see that a lot through Jesus. We see it other places in the Bible. How many of you know there are, there are protection miracles as well? Yeah. There's, there's a whole category of protection miracles. We God protected an individual or a group of people miraculously, sometimes by angelic intervention, sometimes other ways. <clears throat> but there's a whole range of miracles in the Bible that are what we could call provision miracles, where God 
provided and came through. Is he the same? Has he changed? Can he still do these things today? Oh, but you know, I know God can do this, but you don't know how bad the economy is getting right now. And you know, they're talking lack everywhere and all the prices are going to go up and everything is all going to get bad and I don't know what we're going to do and I'm so afraid, but hopefully God will take care of me. (laughs) Yeah, there's the problem. No, I believe in a God who can do anything. Has he multiplied food before? More than once? Multiplied. Jesus broke, 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 broke the loaves. It just began to multiply. Just began to multiply. Just began to multiply. That's a creative miracle. Just began to happen. And 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 five thousand people fed. You know, just if God, if He can feed five thousand, do you think He can feed a family of four? Yeah. <laughs> but by all kinds of means possible. Yeah. Oh yes, and I oh man, I would be really nice if things multiplied. But you know, I just don't really. I don't know, I'm just not kind of, you know, sure whether that'll happen in my life. There you go, your expectation going down again. He reveals in Scripture who he is. Begin to say, my God can do anything. Yes, Father God, you can increase my salary. Yes, you can give me a raise. Yes, you can give me a new job. But there's other things you can do as well. I'm not going to limit what you're going to do. I'm not going to dictate to you what to do, but I'm going to expect you can literally do anything. Are there other miracles in the Bible? Well, there's multiplication. What about the widow woman, Elijah and the widow woman? Does God reveal uh, provision miracles? The, the widow woman's oil. The, 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 she's about to eat their last meal. And the, the prophet arrives. The prophet says, give me some, give me some first. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine the newspaper headlines the, the next day? Prophet steals last meal from, yeah. from dying widow's mouth. Or so-called prophet steals last meal. That's what the newspapers would have said. But he was acting on the word of the Lord. He wasn't just doing this himself. God had sent him, and it was, was actually from God. Not just pretending he was from God and manipulating the situation. But he really did have a word from the Lord, and she, she responded to that. And what happened? The, the bin of flour and the jar of oil never ran dry. Just multiplied. Just kept multiplying. How do you like that one? How do you like to, to cut up your bread, feed your, feed your kids sandwiches, and put some meat on, and your salad, and, and you say, well, that's the end of the bread, you know, I'm not quite sure where, where we're going to get some more, but let's all go to bed and, and, and have a nice sleep anyway. You wake up in the morning, and the, 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 the bread's back to its normal size. <laughs> can God do that? You see, but you can just hear some Christians, you know, none of you guys, just the ones on the video, <laughs> just say, yeah, you, you're a little bit extreme there, brother. I'm not entirely convinced that can happen. That's your problem. You, 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 your, your expectation of what God can do in your life is capped. That's why often we don't see things. We need to begin to expect and believe in a God who can do anything. Jesus multiplied the food. What about the times? What about Peter's taxes? Led by the Spirit. Go, 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 you know, go fishing, Peter. First fish that comes out of the mouth is going to be a coin in, the, in its mouth. <laughs> Where'd the coin come from? Well, you know, for all I know, God materialized it. I don't know. He led the fish and showed it. I don't know. But, but God provided he can do all kinds of things. What about Abraham? Abraham, God has told him to go sacrifice his son. And he, and he obeys, 
goes, goes, to, goes to the place where they're going to sacrifice his son, and he's about to obey what God says, and, 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 and the, the angel has to say, no, no, no. The, the Lord has to say, no, 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 Abraham. And then he turns around, and what's happened? God has provided a ram in the thicket right there. God, God provided. The provision was there. Provision. I heard one minister say this. The word provision, provide. The Lord my provider. Provision is made up of two words. Pro, which is a prefix you put on the front of words, and vision. What's vision? To see. Pro, it means before. Provision means, it's talking about God has seen the need beforehand. Before there was a need, he saw it and he provided the supply. Your need didn't take God by surprise. He knew your washing machine was going to break down. <laughs> he knew he knew that was going to happen but but he's got he's got a supply he's got a he's got a pro, he's got provision for that whether whether it's whether it's some kind of natural situation then the ram's caught in the thicket or whether it's some some other means but he, he can do these things can't he do we need to be afraid of lack do we need to be afraid do we need to be afraid of prices going up do we need to be afraid and begin to say, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? We're going to make it because we're the children of God and we serve a God who can do anything. And we're going to raise our faith and expectation in what God can do. And I thank you, Father God, that by whatever means necessary, you are multiplying my resources. Whether it means providing salary, whether it provides increased other jobs, whether it means multiplying the food in my cupboard, you can do anything. Amen? Can you do Can you do it? Were there any other provision miracles in the Bible? There's lots. What about when, 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 when the disciples were fishing and they caught no fish? They've toiled all night. They've worked hard. They've done everything they can in the natural. And, 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 and then Jesus on the bank said, just throw the net on the other side. Or basically throw it in again, wasn't it? Whether it was the other side or whatever. How did Jesus know the fish were there? That wasn't just natural. That was a, a supply taking place. God was... He bringing that provision, that, that's, a, that's a, a miracle that took place. I don't know if those, God got those fish to swim from somewhere else or whether God just took, created a whole lot of fish in the place. I really don't know. I'm not going to try to figure it out. But he did. He provided, didn't he? So there's all kinds of provision miracles. Let's, let's look at one quickly and then we'll, 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 we'll have our break. Numbers 11. Numbers 11. This is when they're in the wilderness. Children of Israel are in the wilderness. How, 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 many, how, many, how, many, how many of them were there? Anyone have any idea? The children of Israel, approximately. Was, was there 10 of them? Was it about 15? One or two families? <laughs> There's a lot of them. They are the size of a nation. They have multiplied in Egypt. 70 or 72 or whatever went in initially in over hundreds of years they multiplied that's why Egypt was afraid of them because they thought they were going to get more than them and oppressed them this is a nation even when they counted the foot soldiers in the book of numbers there's hundreds of thousands of just soldiers so when you add on the kids and the families and the grandparents and the and the wives and everything like this you've got you've got into the millions so let's look let's look at the situation you, you know I, how much food would it take to feed an entire nation? 
And not only that, they don't have farms. They are nomadic. They are traveling through. They're not traveling through an oasis. They're traveling through a wilderness. How do you feed an entire nation in a wilderness? A couple of million people. I serve a God who can. Now, he provided them with manna. You know what? I, someone, someone, someone calculated, some military guy did calculations. And um, again, I don't know, because, you know, the military guys, they're used to figuring out how much food you need for, for troops and stuff. And, and he, reckons, he reckons that the, the children of Israel would need two freight trains. Freight trains mean the big ones that, you know, two freight trains, each a mile long on a daily basis to feed that nation. That's a lot of food. Where'd they get all that food? That's just an estimate from someone, but that's a lot of food. Now, they got a bit tired of their manna. They got a little bit tired of the manna. So, so here in Numbers 11, um, verse 4, says, now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? The manna was no longer good enough for them. Now they want meat. Oh, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the ungulins, the garlics. Yeah, what about the beatings and the slavery and, the, yeah, and all of that? But anyway... People love to think it's, you know, oh, it was better in the good old days. But anyway, so they begin to moan. They begin to complain. They, they're complaining about what God's provided. And then, <clears throat> let's jump down. I'm not going to read it all right now, but we might say a bit more about it in my, my next session. But um, verse 18. Verse 18, this is now the Lord speaking some things. He says, then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow and you shall eat meat. Consecrate yourself for when? Tomorrow. How, how soon is this going to happen for them? Overnight, a nation is going to have enough meat, meat to eat. How many of you remember when, when, when Samaria was under siege? In the Bible, there was an instance where Samaria was under siege, and they were having famine. And they had, famine means, it got so bad, they were, they, cannibalism was starting, and they were eating dung, uh, bird droppings, just because they were so desperate, because they were on the verge of starvation. And yet, and yet, the prophet says, by tomorrow, you'll all have enough food. It's an overnight change, that, and, by, and by tomorrow they did have enough food. God moved. Things changed overnight. Do I serve the same God? Is he the same? Can, can he do these kind of things? Can I put my expectation on a God who can turn things around? And he can provide by whatever means necessary. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt, therefore the Lord will give you meat and you shall eat. God's going to give you. That's what he says. I'm going to give you meat. <clears throat> you shall not eat. 
sorry, you shall eat not one day, not two days, not five days, nor 10 days, nor 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils. <laughs> so, I mean, just on that estimate, two freight, two, two freight trains a mile long on a daily basis, he, he says he's going to do that for 30 days for them. Where's all that food going to come from in a wilderness? There's a lot of food. Can, can God do it? Now Moses, verse 21. And Moses said, the people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. See, that's the soldiers. That's not, that's not the full count. That's just the, the footmen. And you, yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. How many of you know Moses has seen God do some big things? But even Moses chokes on this one. <laughs> even Moses begins to think, I just, I'm not entirely sure how this can happen, Lord. Look what he says. Verse 22, shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough? What's Moses doing here? Moses is just, he, he, this, he's reached the point where his mind just goes, I, I do not see how that can happen. How is this going to happen, Lord? Are we supposed to all go and gather up all the fish in the, in the ocean? What did God say? I will provide meat. And Moses is thinking, do we have to go and get it all? He's choking here, isn't he? Because this is pretty big. This, this isn't God just providing meat for a family. Verse 23, and the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? One translation says, is the Lord's power limited? Is it, is it limited? That's God's response to Moses when he said, how are you going to find enough meat to, to feed a nation? God says, am I limited? Is the arm of the Lord shortened? Can God do it? Can his power manifest in a way? Overnight, an entire nation has enough food. I believe in a God who can do that. Can he do that for one or two families? Well, if you can do it for a whole nation, you can certainly do it for one or two families. Is he big enough? Hallelujah. Let's, uh, I think let's take a break. And we'll pick up on that with my next session. Is that all right? Amen? It's just that we can have a coffee and have a little bit of a break. And then.